This Shabbat is the 155th anniversary of Juneteenth, when slavery officially came to an end in this country. A day which sounds like it should be a celebration of freedom, just like we do for Passover. We recount our slavery and end the story on freedom. But instead, 155 years later, we are talking about George Floyd's murder a few weeks ago. And this week, we're talking about Rayshard Brooks' murder when he was shot in the back twice by a police officer. Breonna Taylor, who had her door kicked in and then shot and murdered. And two black men were hung in parks in Southern California. There are countless other examples that can only leave you shaking your head in disbelief. On Passover, when we recount slavery, we say, Dayenu. It's enough for us, Dayenu. Now the question that we must ask on this Juneteenth is what have we done to find our nation in this state? I believe what we can learn from this Parsha speaks directly to where we find ourselves today. How could we be here on this Shabbat, 155 years after the end of slavery, and black people are still being murdered in our streets. At the end of Passover, we say, next year in Jerusalem, next year in the promised land. It's 155 years later, and we are very far from the promised land. Dainu. What has kept us out of the promised land? This week's parsha is Shalach, directly addresses this issue. A parsha that many people think they know, but upon closer reading, it reveals a profound wisdom about the human condition. That human condition that keeps us out of the promised land because we are the barriers. In Shalach, we read about how Moses sent in 12 spies to the land of Israel to report back. Ten come back with a negative report. They admit that the land, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, but it's also a place that is impossible to overcome. The inhabitants are giants and we are like grasshoppers. It appears as if there are two heroes, Joshua and Caleb. They come back and they say, the land is good. We can accomplish our goal and we can overcome the land. At first glance, it appears as if Joshua and Caleb are good because they have faith and know what they can do. But that's not the case. The failure of the other 10, it's not that they did not have faith, but rather their failure is in how they perceive the world. And because they cannot perceive the world with the right lens, that is the reason that they cannot enter the promised land. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs teaches that the mistake of the 10 is that they misunderstood their mission. He points out the biblical Hebrew has two verbs that mean to spy, lachapur and laragel, but neither of these words appear in the parsha. The word that does exist time and time again is a verb which is rarely seen, latul, which in modern Hebrew is tayar, which is translated as tourist. Sachs points out that there's a profound difference between a tourist and a spy. 
A spy seeks out weakness, while a tourist seeks out what is beautiful, good, and inspiring. Think about what it's like when we walk on our Golden Gate Bridge with tourists. They flock there for the beauty. But I disagree with Sachs. I don't think tourists just come to see the good. A tourist goes to witness and experience a place, to experience a place that they don't know. They're wide open and they're eager to learn. The verb latul in our parsha, it's repeated 12 times. The 12 who were sent to witness something that they did not know, but only two of them understood this. The other 10 thought of themselves as spies, as if they could understand a land and an experience that they had never been to. Moses had never even been to the promised land. The challenge to these 12 was to open themselves up and to witness. This is a natural human condition that we enter a situation and think we can understand and discern something we have never been in. And nearly every time we do this, we make major miscalculations and in turn, major mistakes. The first step is listening and witnessing and then engaging in the process that can lead to actual change. These voices, they need to be heard. We as a nation, we need to witness with new eyes who we were who we are, and then we can talk about who we want to be. That racism is alive and well in our country, it should not be a surprise. How can we, at the 155 year anniversary of the end of slavery, and there is still murder in the streets of our country, Dainu? Slavery was 250 years old in this country before it was abolished in 1865. We still have not had as much time not having slaves as we had having slaves. This informs and shapes our country to this day. In 2015, 40% of all unarmed people fatally shot by the police were black men. Even though only 6% of the U.S. are black men. Diana. For those of us who are not people of color, our job is to step into this landscape, into Latour, to step into this landscape and to be a witness and to listen. Juneteenth is right there for us to remember what our country was founded on. It was built on the back of slaves. Today celebrates when they are free, but in Judaism, in our slave story, we cannot talk about freedom and next year in Jerusalem until we have tasted slavery, until we've tasted maror, until we've tasted that bitter herb, until we've tasted the tears, and we try to shock our systems awake of witnessing before we can get to celebrating freedom. Thank God there are protests in the street. Thank God as a nation in a world, we're beginning to understand that Black Lives Matter, it's not a slogan. It's a plea for us to witness that Black lives have not mattered. 
Thank God we're in a national discussion on race. There are healthcare disparities, economic disparities, educational inequalities, the list goes on and on. And as we know, COVID is hitting the minority communities more than white communities. Our job on Juneteenth, what the Israelites' job was, was not ju to judge, but to witness, to see. Our job is to see our black brothers and sisters and just open up and listen. We start with that. We will get to policy and solution, Bezrat Hashem, God willing. But the first thing that we have to do is to hear. If the Israelites had understood that their job was not to be spies, but to be witnesses, an entire generation would have been saved from wandering in the wilderness and been able to enter the promised land. I pray that this generation has our eyes open our ears open so that we can fully see what America was 400 years ago, what America was 155 years ago, what America was during those eight minutes for George Floyd, Dainu. And when we hold that pain, when we hold that truth, then that will be the key to us entering our collective promised land. So how do you go about witnessing and hearing? There are members of our community who have been doing this work year in and year out with Rabbi Beth Singer and the Black Jewish Unity Group. This intimate group has developed deep relationships to hear each other, to see each other, even when it's not the headline story in the news. Rabbi Rodich, as well as many of us clergy, will be leading a synagogue-wide discussion on how to be anti-racist through the engagement of a book group which you'll hear more about in the coming weeks. Lisa Krim and Melissa Koningsberg, along with the SETA Council and the Unity Group, will be leading efforts to help get out the vote. For the past six months, we've been partnering with the Religious Action Center's Every Voice, Every Vote campaign. It's the Reform Jewish Movement's 2020 civic engagement campaign to mobilize our congregants, to combat voter suppression and engage student voters. Enabling voting is enabling voices to be heard. As George Floyd's breath became air, his air has filled our collective souls with a horror which we should not look away from, but rather we should embrace and witness and understand, and then together change this world to what all of us know what it should be. And collectively, and emphatically, and from the deepest recesses of my soul, from my breath, since I still have breath, I say Dainu. <laughs>